Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public, featuring lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about NBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matter to all of us. Today we talk about the launch of Traps for the Unwary, the seventh edition, the Massachusetts Bar Association's award-winning malpractice prevention handbook, available now as an exclusive member benefit to all 2021-2022 MBA members. The expanded seventh edition offered as an e-publication is a must-read for Massachusetts lawyers in civil practice. I'm sitting down today with two of the attorneys instrumental in bringing us this seventh edition. John Brosnan, managing partner at O'Malley, Harvey & Brosnan. He's been practicing civil litigation for over 30 years. And attorney James Harvey, partner in the same firm, with over 30 years' experience in the Massachusetts courts as well. He has served as co-chair of the MBA's civil litigation section and has served on many other important committees with the MBA. So I'll start with you, Jim. I know you're really proud and excited to have the new edition available to members. What's new and different about this version of Traps for the Unwary? The seventh edition is 50% longer than the previous editions. It's also different because it's only an electronic version. Uh, All the previous editions were hard copies. Traps had a very modest start. It started with me committing malpractice in the early 80s. An insurance company sent me four or five motor vehicle property damage subrogation claims against the MBTA, and so I got them and I drafted complaints and I filed them all against the MBTA. And about a week later, I got four or five motions to dismiss because I had missed the statute of limitations. At that time, the regular tort statute of limitations, which everybody knew, was three years. But for the MBTA, it was two years. And I didn't know that. Um, Luckily for me, the statute had already run before the client sent me the the cases, but if I was a better lawyer, I would have told them, hey, don't bother sending me cases where the statute of limitations has run. Uh, and I still was very upset that I had filed these suits and wasted the filing fees, of course, but also just I was angry. They don't teach you in law school there's a special mm-hmm. short statute of limitations for the MBTA. There really should be something out there to help lawyers, hardworking, conscientious lawyers, learn about hazards that are lurking out there. John, back to you. Let's talk about the definition of malpractice, because as Jim Harvey just illustrated, oftentimes it's something that happens due to negligence and not bad intentions. Define malpractice. There's different types of legal malpractice, Jordan, but you know the type that Jim was discussing earlier, that's really just negligence. It's, it's not an intentional act. The attorney just didn't know that they were missing a particular statute of limitations. And there's other types of actions. For example, if you're trying to get a mechanics lien, you have to follow uh, the, the statutory steps to perfect your mechanics lien. If you don't, you haven't perfected it. Um, so we address some of that. And then we also address stuff uh, where you have to be very careful uh, in terms of uh, not uh, violating ethical rules, uh, which can go over in the intentional, in, in, into the intentional sphere. Let's talk about some other examples. Just pick a few here and there in the seventh edition, because lawyers who are members of the Mass Bar will be able to obtain this guide, which is very helpful. In in Chapter 10, uh, we talk about 50 short statute of limitations. For example, for ski area operators, uh, you only have one year to to, uh, bring a personal injury claim uh, as a skier, and you also have to comply with a 90-day notice requirement. Uh, On housing discrimination claims, uh, you also only have uh, one year to file that claim after the unlawful practice occurs. I'm sure Jim has some other uh, examples he'd like to comment on. Well, as John said, we have 50 short statute limitations, but there's hope. We also have 25 possible rescues from the statute's limitations. 
many of those are added since the since the sixth edition. The sixth edition was ten years ago, so there's really been a lot of developments in the law since then. But what's really nasty, and there's a lot of nasty stuff in here, but what's really nasty are statutes of repose, uh, and they are similar to the statute of limitations, but there are almost no exceptions to the statute of repose. And we list, I think, five statutes of repose. Probably the most nasty, although they all are, is hmm. the statute of repose with respect to improvements to real property. For example, you could have a case where a family comes to you because a member of the family fell down a flight of stairs. The person uh, walked out a door, expected there to be a landing at the top of the stairway as, there, as is required by the building code. There is no landing. The person falls, falls down the stairs, may get a very serious injury, may have a spinal cord injury. And the family comes to you and you sign up the case and you think this is this is going to be a great case. There's clear liability and there's terrible damages. Uh, I, I've got to collect some some do a little investigation. Maybe wait for the for the injured person to reach an end medical result. If that the statute of limitations with respect to improvements to real property is there's a regular three year statute of limitations, but there's a six year statute of repose starting with the date of. Comp- of the completion of the improvement to real property. So if that construction was completed five years and 11 months ago, you've only got one month from the date of the accident Mm -hmm. to file a lawsuit where the claim is going to be part. The claim against the construction company and the architect or engineer who designed the stairway still be able to bring a claim against the owner of the property for probably for uh, negligent maintenance, but the owner may have limited assets or limited insurance. So you really want to go back against the other defendants and if you are unable to because you've missed the statute of repose, without putting in much effort at all, you have committed hmm. 6 to $10 million worth of malpractice. These issues become super important, and it can cost lawyers uh, reputation and money as well as their clients. We're in this business to try to help people. I mean, that's why a lot of lawyers got into it. And, and if you've let people down, it's, you know, it's not only the financial impact, but it's also a, a, uh, an emotional impact. You feel terrible about it. Jim, let's talk a little bit about the feedback you've received, because members are anxious to read it, but they're also anxious to opine, I'm sure. In general, lawyers love it, they've told me, but I also know that they hate it because you're reading about all these dangerous things. My daughter calls it, uh, my daughter's not a lawyer, but she calls it a series of unfortunate events, except they're all true. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I know that uh, one judge has told me that he keeps a copy on his desk. Uh, Another law firm has told me that uh, they require their lawyers and staff to read it and to sign a statement for their HR file saying that they have read it. Mm. Nobody knows all these traps. Uh, a lot of lawyers, a lot of lawyers have uh, contributed ideas to this project, and you know we have put our arms around it and tried to net, to shorten them down. We try to, in every instance, have a, a citation to a statute or to a case, so that you know many of these are unfair, so they change. Over time, the legislature changes them, the courts change them. So we try to have a citation so a lawyer can refer to traps and then use that citation as a starting point for the lawyer's own research. John, I'm reading in my notes that there were approximately 170 attorneys and lots of input from the Mass Bar Association committees and so forth. That's a lot of people offering up information, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, Jim recruited uh, these. I think uh, that's that's for the life of the project. There's been 170 uh, c- contributors. I, I, there were at least 50 contributors to the most recent version. But the uh, members of the Mass Bar, particularly the uh, section councils, have been uh, stepped up. And, uh, you know, Jim will 
reach out to them and then they'll uh, do their part. So, because, you know, as Jim pointed out, you know, not, no attorney can know all the law. So you, when you're dealing with a probate issue, you need someone that's specialized in, in probate uh, for personal injury. You need someone specialized in personal injury, uh, commercial litigation. You need someone with that expertise, bankruptcy law, the same thing. So uh, we were able re- really to get the experts in the field, members of the MBA who are, who run the various uh, sections that the MBA has, uh, and they, they, they really uh, helped out in terms of putting this whole thing together. When we started, and I had I had a, I had a handful of things, including the short statute limitations against the MBTA, and I was active in the Mass Bar Association. I went to some of the section council meetings. The MBA has about a dozen sections: probate law, criminal law, civil litigation, tax, family law. And um, I went to some of those, and the councils are probably ten or twelve lawyers that that are active in the section. And uh, I went to some of them. And a good lawyer named Steve Hoffman, who was on the Civil Litigation Section Council, gave me about 10 more ideas. So that was how we put it together in the first place. And, and of course, <clears throat> that told me our best source is going to be the section councils, the people that have the expertise in these different areas. While we have advertised uh, and solicited contributions of ideas from, uh, from every, anyone, we, uh, we have focused on the section councils. And we have got Good lawyers, really good lawyers. Some of the top lawyers in Massachusetts have contributed ideas, really nasty stuff. But bad lawyers also have <laughs> have been a good source. <laughs> so we appreciate the ideas wherever they come from. Absolutely. I'd like to get from both of you a little information as to how our members who are listening, who are active listeners and fans of the podcast, can uh, access this. Jim, why don't we start with you? Well, right now, it's only available electronically, and it's only available to MBA members. And so while eventually they may sell it, I think they've got a, a price tag on it of $250. Uh, right now, uh, it's only available to MBA members. They log on to the MBA's website where there is um, a login point for the members, and then they go to um, their member profile. And on the member profile, there is a list of seminars that lawyers have attended and uh, purchases they've made from the MBA. And at the top of that list right now, it's at the top right now, is Traps for the Unwary. Mm-hmm. You click on our little green button alongside of that, and that leads you to uh, to Traps. And it's uh, I think it's 129 pages, 130 pages. From there, you can download it into your right. own system. And, and you can also visit massbar.org forward slash traps, very simply, to get a lot of this information. And, and Jim and John have been so forthcoming. John, I, I was thinking that we were all talking baseball before we started recording. If you know anything about baseball, I think both of you guys do. The baseball rule book is the size of Vermont, right? <laughs> I can only I can only suggest knowing Massachusetts and knowing a little bit about the law that this is the seventh, but there'll be more additions because things are changing all the time. I think that's exactly right. I think, uh, and that was uh, a big part of this project on the seventh edition was uh, you know updating it uh, on the changes that had occurred over the time since the publication of the sixth edition. So, in closing, let me ask both of you to comment. I'll start with you, John. What's the the mission statement, if you will, for this edition of Traps of the Unwary? We'll start with you, John. Yeah, I'd say the mission statement is just to uh, provide a uh, guide to attorneys uh, so that they can uh, avoid all these traps and ethical pitfalls. Uh, it's really uh, it's condensed and it's it's very accessible and it's got a great index. And you know, if you have an issue, it's it's a good starting point to get started. On, on, on researching a particular area. And Jim, as, as the chief editor here, uh, you're very proud of this, and it's been a lot of work, and it's finally here. What are your thoughts now that it's out there? Well, I hope the people will read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think any, any conscientious lawyer would race to read it. 
we, we talked about malpractice hazards, but there are also ethical hazards. There's things like, well, this is both malpractice and ethics. If a family is in an automobile accident, they're all injured, and they come to you, they want you to represent them, you can hurt them and you can hurt yourself in a number of ways, but if you, if you try to represent them all, because even if the passengers don't want to sue the operator, the person they do so will probably implead the operator, who now you're representing people on both sides mm. of the V, and now you can't represent anybody. Otherwise, you've got a conflict of interest. So so there's well, practical advice like that. Yeah. It's a very complex field. Uh, anyone who goes into law these days is in for a lot of reading and a lot of study and a lot of preparation. It's a great idea to have this guide by your side. I figured that if I go to a seminar, and it's a seven-hour seminar, and, it, and I learn one or two new things that I can use, and I get affirmation on six or seven other things, then it's been a day well spent. And... And I think that if someone spends time to read traps, they will learn many more than one or two things they can use. If it's just an affirmation of things they already know, that's very valuable too. But I don't think there's anybody that could read through traps and not learn at least a few very valuable pieces of information. Well said. Gentlemen, thank you very much. John, we appreciate your time and effort, and Jim, certainly the same. Thanks for joining us on Mass Bar Beat. Thank you, Jordan. Once again, we appreciate attorneys John Brosnan and James Harvey for joining us to discuss the launch of Traps for the Unwary, the seventh edition, the award-winning malpractice prevention handbook provided as an exclusive MBA member benefit. Again, visit massbar.org forward slash traps. That's massbar.org forward slash traps. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.